Hello, and welcome to the Church Newtown Square podcast. If we can serve you in any way, or if you'd like to learn more about our church family or the Acts 29 network, please visit us at churchnsq.org. That's C-H-V-R-C-H-N-S-Q dot org. And now, let's listen in to today's teaching. Uh, I'm super excited to be able to share the word of God with you today, and I hope everyone had a fantastic Christmas. I know that we uh, had a really great time, but the thing that I had to uh, constantly do on Christmas morning, outside of constantly having to pick up all of the wrapping paper off the floor, right, that's dad duties, right, Um, was to constantly say the word share to my kids. I had to say share like a million times to them, right? Anyone else have to do this with their kids, teens, or husbands? Okay, all right. <laughs> um, but I had to constantly uh, do that all day because I felt like, you know, when I would give uh, one kid a gift, the other kid wanted to play with it and then would try taking it away, and then a full-out brawl would ensue, right? And so it was fun times. Um, but uh, I had to constantly remind them to share their gifts because I really do want my kids to uh, learn the importance of sharing and uh, gift uh, and blessing others with their gifts, right? And this type of interaction with my kids reminds me of what we see in the Bible where it teaches us that God's, the gifts that God has given us are meant to be shared with others for their good. And so this morning, we're going to be shifting our focus on from the Christmas gifts to the spiritual gifts and uh, uh, specifically the importance of serving the local church. Now, Over the next few weeks here at Church Newtown Square, we're going to be rolling out a new volunteer push to start the new year. And so we're going to be presenting you uh, different ways and different opportunities to be able to get plugged into serving here at Church Newtown Square. But before we do that, I believe that it's important for us to center our hearts on exactly what the Bible teaches us about service. We need to be rooted in what the Word of God uh, teaches us in, uh, in regards to to the heart of serving the body of Christ. And so serving is a fundamental biblical concept that's seen all throughout scripture, but today we're going to see it, uh, see what it says specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13 today. And so we're going to be centering our hearts on that. And so the main thing that I want you to walk away with today is this is that we serve the church with the gifts we've been given from God out of love for the church. I'm going to say it one more time because I want this sticking with you, and this is what we're going to be breaking down. We serve the church with the gifts we've been given from God out of love for the church. So we see how we are to serve the church from the very outset of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where the Apostle Paul is addressing many and uh, several issues at Uh, the church of Corinth. And so let's open up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to be in chapter 12 and 13 today, and so so don't uh, close your Bibles, but let's start off first with uh, verse 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 7, it says, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. 
a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. What we see here is where the gifts come from. They come from above. They come from God, who is the good gift giver, right? And so all of us have, have been graciously given unique gifts, talents, strengths, and abilities, right? Each and every one of us has that, right? But not only do we see where the gifts come from, but we also see what the gifts are meant for. The gifts that you've been given from God are meant to be shared in order to serve others and build others up. That's why verse 7 says that they are meant for the common good. And so how are we to serve the church? It's with the gift that we've been given from God, the good gift giver. But here's the thing. This is so much easier said than done because selfishness likes to rear its ugly head. And the reality is that all of us are selfish, right? Because selfishness is a heart issue. It's a sin issue. It's not just an issue that little kids have to deal with when they're playing with their Christmas toys like my kids were, right? No, if you are a human being, you are prone to selfishness. And here's the, here's the reality that you, have to, uh, that you have to factor in is that you have to realize this, that selfishness is servanthood's worst enemy. Selfishness is servanthood's worst enemy because selfishness makes serving feel like an annoyance, like an inconvenience, like an obligation, right? And that's exactly why the Apostle Paul is addressing the church in Corinth. It's because they started being very selfish with their spiritual gifts. And even there were some uh, church leaders within the church of Corinth that even started puffing themselves up to believe that they were much more spiritual than others because they had bigger and better uh, gifts than others, right? And so Paul's like, no, no, you've missed the, the point of what the gifts are meant for. They're not meant for you to selfishly hold on to, and they're not meant for you to start puffing yourself up about, right? No, they are meant to be shared in order to, in order to serve others and build others up. And so the Apostle Paul gives the church a few reminders to help fight off these selfish, sinful uh, tendencies, right? And so these uh, reminders that he gives the church of Corinth aren't just meant for the church of Corinth, but it's also meant for you and me. And so he uh, tells us to keep a few things in mind. And so he says, hey, I want you to remember a couple things. The first thing I want you to remember is this, is that you are a part of something bigger than yourself. You are a part of something bigger than yourself. And so let's open up, uh, stay in chapter 12, verse 18 through 20. Verse 18 through, uh, through 20 says, But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Now, Christ's body is often used as a metaphor in Scripture to describe the church as it's being used here, right? And so in Scripture, we see that Jesus has saved each of us as individuals so that we could be a part of something bigger together, right? And so, so we're part of something bigger together. And so we're su supposed to be viewed as part of— uh, as. Uh, the whole body of Christ before we're to be viewed as individual members and parts of it. And so what Paul is saying here is that there are individual members of the body of Christ uh, saying that they feel like they don't belong to the body, 
right? And so this is seen in verse 15 through 16 of this passage. And what that means is that they are intentionally, there are members of the body that are intentionally feeling disengaged and trying to disengage from the body and trying to live for themselves. And the point is here is that when we fail to see that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves, the only thing that we're going to live for and the only thing that we're going to be thinking about is ourselves, right? But as members of the body of Christ, we are called to work together and to contribute to the overall mission of sharing the good news of the gospel to all nations. For example, um, my family and I just uh, recently got a Costco membership. And when we did, it finally hit me that uh, I've reached uh, prime adulthood, right? <laughs> Getting everything uh, in bulk for cheap is living, right? And eating their delicious vanilla ice cream cone is also living, right? It's amazing. Uh, but being a member of Costco is far different than being a member of the local church and, and the body of Christ, right? Because at Costco, I'm nothing else than a consumer. I'm only a consumer, right? But as members of the body of Christ, we are called to be contributors to the mission. See, a contributor is one that realizes that they're a part of something bigger than themselves, right? And so they commit to the mission 100%. But then a consumer is only worried about what they can get out of something, right? If they see the benefit to something, then they'll commit. If they don't see the benefit to something, then they won't commit, right? And, and so for us, being a member of Costco, I had to see the benefit of joining and being a member, right? Clearly, the uh, vanilla ice cream cone got me, right? And so that's the only reason why we're members. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we see the difference between a con being a contributor and a consumer, right? But as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are called to be contributing members to the body of Christ, not consumers. We are called to be contributors, not consumers. And it's a we before me type of mindset that we need to have. And so Paul says, hey, remember this, as you're fighting off selfish tendencies, remember that you are a part of something bigger than yourself. The second thing he says is that you are a valuable part to the body, regardless of what your part is. You are a valuable part of the body, regardless of what your part is. Let's take a look at verses 21 through 23. 21 through 23 says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect. And so Paul says here that all members of the body of Christ, no matter how big or small, are considered to be important, are considered to be valuable. And so there are members of the body that um, feel like their roles are uh, less important, weaker, and less honorable than others, uh, are actually considered to be indispensable, right? See, God has gifted you with talent, strengths, and abilities so that you could serve others in an impactful way, even if you or others view your role to be a small one. 
For example, if you're familiar with uh, college sports, the Ohio State Marching Band performs this iconic tradition uh, called uh, the Ohio Script, where they spell out the word Ohio uh, before every game um, on the field, right? And it all leads up to the dotting of the I in Ohio, right? Now, the instrument that gets the highest honor of doing this, of dotting the I for the band, is none other than the tuba player, right? Uh, it's not the flashy instrument like the trumpet or the saxophone, right? No, it's the tuba player. And Guys, let's be honest. We know that the tuba, you know, isn't the most popular instrument at band camp that kids, they don't go chasing after the tuba, right, to pick that. Um, also, it's not the best sounding instrument in the world, right? Uh, there's no one that I know that wakes up being, you know, wanting to be uh, the best musician in the world and is like, well, I'll pick up the tuba, right? You're not going to make much money doing that. You're not going to sign record deals and you're not going to be a part of many bands doing that, right? Uh, because no no one views the tuba as a significant part in a band and so forth, right? But in the Ohio State Marching Band, the tuba becomes the most important instrument and player at, in that very moment, right? It's really, really cool to watch. And I have to admit, uh, watching the Ohio script is really, really great, but it's the only great thing about that school. Am I right? Ohio State, right? Yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, <laughs> but... Paul is saying here that it's like, it doesn't matter how irrelevant, how small, or how insignificant that your role may seem in people's eyes, it's still a valuable part to the body of Christ. You are a valuable part of the body, regardless of what your part is. But Paul doesn't stop here in giving uh, helpful reminders uh, of, uh, to serve the church. He continues on in chapter 13, and you may be familiar with chapter 13 because it's one of the most uh, popular uh, Bible passages read at weddings on love. Now, there's nothing wrong with that because it's one of the clearest definitions of what love looks like in the Bible. But we just came out of chapter 12, which in context has the church in mind, right? It's saying how our gifts are meant to be shared in order to serve others and build others up. And so Paul doesn't randomly just stop that frame of mind and go into focusing on marriage all of a sudden and love in marriage. No, he, he continues that frame of mind, right? And, and focusing on the church and he, what he describes is love towards the church, not towards specifically a spouse in marriage. It's towards the church. And so that's helpful for us as we're going to briefly explore the, the following chapter really quick, right? And so that's super important for us to know because one of the main reminders that's given in chapter 13 is why we serve the church, right? It's why we serve others. And Paul says here that love is our why. Love is our why. Look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 1 through 7. Verse 1 through 7, it says, If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and I, if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that you can be gifted and do a lot of things, but if you do not have love, then you are nothing. What he's specifically talking about is the motivation of your heart. See, we can be motivated by a lot of things. Many times we're motivated by self-seeking motives or self-fulfilling motives or even feeling obligated to serve, right? But what he says here is that serving others out of love for them is the better way. It's the better way. Galatians 5, 13 through 14 reminds us. It says, for you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Serve one another through love, for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so we serve people out of love for them because there is no higher or better motivation than that. And so that should be our main motivation for why we serve others. For example, one of the things that Disney is uh, best known for, like Disneyland, Disney World, uh, they're best known for uh, having an out-of-this-world uh, guest service uh, experience, right? And so uh, you could tell that they spend a lot of time and money uh, on on several resources on uh, creating a culture of top-notch guest experience, right? Uh, it seems like everything that they do and implement has the uh, the guest in mind, right? And that's one of the reasons we were um, season pass holders while we were living in Florida. It was really, really great. But the thing is that even Disney, their main concern, their main motivation for serving their guests is, uh, is for money. It's for profit, right? And I'm not even bashing Disney for that. But even the happiest place on earth is primarily motivated to, uh, to serve you, not for your own happiness and not just for you, but for your money. It's for business. I see a lot of shocked faces like, but I thought Mickey Mouse loved me for me. No, he loves you for your money, bro, right? Like it's cash money. That's their main motivation. But Paul urges believers, urges us as Christians to uh, make sure that our motivation for why we serve others is out of love for them. Because God is more concerned with your motivation for why you do things rather than just what you do. He's concerned with your why rather than what you do. And here's the thing. Love is what makes serving extraordinary. People are going to be served everywhere they go in this world and served really well, like at Disney, right? But when people come in, into church and are served by people who love them and genuinely care for them, that's when we can make an eternal impact on people's lives. And so why do we serve the church? Why do we serve others? It's out of love for them. It's out of love for the people that Christ died for. That's why you can't say that, oh, I, I love Jesus, but I don't, I, I don't love his church. I don't deal with Christians. You know, they're hypocrites, blah, blah. It doesn't work that way right? Christ died for a people out of love for them. That includes you and me. We're not perfect, right? But at the same time, that's why we are called to love the church and to serve the church as well. 
So to quickly recap what we've uh, learned this morning, we've seen in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, both the how we are to serve and the why we are to serve. Our main idea today was that we serve uh, the church with the gifts that we've been given from God out of love for the church, both the how and the why, right? And so, but many times that's easier said than done, right? Because by nature, we are selfish and selfishness is servanthood's worst enemy. And that's why Paul has to remind us that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves and that we are a valuable part to the body, regardless of what our part is. So therefore, we should serve the church. We should serve others out of love for, for them because there is no greater motivation than that. And so why does all of this matter? Why does it matter? Why are we talking about this? It's because this cure to this selfishness problem that you and I have is found in serving others out of love for them. It's serving others out of love for them. And I don't just mean when we do this, but I mean when we see that Jesus, our Savior, perfectly displayed this type of servanthood for us. That's when the sin of selfishness becomes powerless because Jesus showed us what true service towards the church looks like by sacrificially giving up his life for the church. Matthew 20, 28 says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He did this out of love for you and I. And it's based on that reality that you and I can, uh, can serve the church and can offer up our lives for the church. See, the reality is that we are selfish. And so we can't muster up enough love and service towards one another on our own capacity. But it's when we see what Jesus did on the cross for us. We see the love of God on the cross for us. And when we press into that, that's when our desire to love and serve others will grow. And so what's the most practical thing I'm challenging you to do today? Is if you aren't plugged in already in serving, join the team. Join the team. Here at church, we are uh, people that believe that we are led by God's spirit. We are led by God's spirit. And so that means that the spirit of God uh, leads us to serve one another, right? And so listen to where is God nudging you to get plugged into serving here? What service need will you seek to fill? Will it be in worship service? Will it be in hospitality? Will it be in kids' church? Listen to what God is placing in your heart. And if you're not plugged in, uh, if you're, you are already plugged in a bunch, um, then the, the following one is simple. Keep serving. Keep serving. Don't stop. And I don't mean, you know, don't leave room for margin. Book yourself every Sunday next year without, uh, without breaks, right? No. In wisdom, keep serving, right? The moment that you open the door for selfishness to rear its ugly head, in it will, right? And so keep serving the body of Christ. So as we come to a close today, let me ask you this. How will you choose to serve others? How will you choose to serve others? Will it be uh, motivated and led by uh, selfish motivations, by selfish motives, and by a consumer mindset? Or will it be led and motivated out of a love for the body of Christ, for people, and a contributor mindset? I hope today, my prayer today, is that as you seek God's love, as you see Jesus, what he did on the cross for you and me, 
that your desire to love and serve the church today would grow more and more. Amen. The sermon you've just listened to is a presentation of Church Newtown Square. To find out more about our church, check out churchnsq.org. That's C-H-V-R-C-H-N-S-Q.org. You are welcome to copy and distribute this sermon to others as long as you do not do it for commercial purposes or alter, transform, or build upon this talk in 